Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time for takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang. And today I'm joined by the host and founder of Veterans Minimum, Nick Dice, who's going to join me here on the show in just a little bit. I'm going to welcome Nick in, but I want to remind everybody to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And also shout out to the sponsors. First, STN Station Casinos. Download the mobile app today. And also we're presented to you on Blue Wire Podcast, as is Nick's show. And uh, we are presented by liquid death have you actually tried those yet nick the liquid deaths i don't indulge in any sorts of energy drinks oh they're uh, actually it's I'm, water yeah is it's it really the, yeah it's just water liquid death oh. it's just the water sparkling still mountain fresh water <laughs> available now in your tall boy cans <laughs> um shout out to the, all those sponsors but i do want to get into the show. First of all, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on. You're in Vegas now. We met during a UFC event way some time ago. And, you know, ever since then, we've had a pretty cool connection to be able to talk and jump on each other's shows. And I just think wanted to congratulate you on getting your show out here and being in Vegas, man. Heidi, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, I moved out here around Labor Day weekend. I have no complaints. I have no desires to leave. I love Vegas from the first time I ever came out here. And you are actually one of the first people from the network that I actually got to meet in person from Blue Wire when I came out here kind of on a whim to go cover a UFC event. And I always like to give I think it's uh, my generation likes to give people their flowers. So anytime I do talk to you, I like to give you your flowers and say thank you. You helped connect me with some people at the UFC and uh, it's been great. It's been great. So anytime you need me on your show, I'm all yours. Oh, man, I always appreciate hearing that. And it's like for me, it's about trying to help everybody out to, you know, be able to succeed and to live out the dreams. You know, that's how I see it. And you've done a wonderful job with Veterans Minimum. And so having you on here today is this is, always comes full circle. And I love bringing you on. So anytime <laughs> is the answer to that. But first, I want to get into what's going to happen here in week 10. I can't believe we're saying that already at the NFL season as we look ahead here to the uh, two and six Raiders who are coming back home after a two game stint on the road where they lost both to the Saints and then the Jacksonville Jaguars. This has been a team that on paper to start the season, a lot of people saw differently. Nick, what has been your first take on looking at this two and six team? Well, Heidi, I I was in the minority, if that's the case, because my expectations for the Vegas Raiders were not high coming into the year. And one of the reasons why are some of the reasons you are seeing play out this year. One thing in the sports betting world that I definitely like to indulge in is professional sports bettors have always pointed out the idea of one score games are not always going to go in your favor year in, year out. It's very hard for you to go seven and one in one score games one year to then go mm -hmm. six and one in one score games the very following year. And that's what I think you've seen with the Raiders so far this year. The Raiders last season were undefeated in overtime games up until, yeah, undefeated in overtime games. Mm -hmm. One score games, they have one of the best records in the league. And then this year, 
all of their losses have basically been by one score. So with the exception of the Saints blowout a couple of weeks ago, uh, Heidi, I just think it was for me. I've never been a Josh McDaniels guy. I okay. felt as if him being a head coach after the stint he pulled in Indianapolis, which is hilarious that we're talking about this because that's who the opponent <laughs> is this weekend for Josh yeah. McDaniels. Yeah. But to me, I just have always felt as if there are some people that could be grade A coordinators, but they can't be head coaches. And I just think that Josh McDaniels is one of those guys where he could be a fantastic coordinator for you. But as a head coach, as we're seeing Heidi, in my opinion, I don't think that's the answer. Have you thought that some of the collapses that this team has had, because they had a very, like you said, close games, games in which if they had made a different decision on a fourth down, or if they had kicked a field goal here instead of going for it, or if they had a different play call on the final drive of the game, like particularly against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I keep shaking my head at the final couple uh, drives that they had the football because they went three and out and then they went on fourth down and didn't convert. And then the second time they had a turnover there. Um, But when you, think about the calls that have been made by Josh McDaniels, not just on offense, but as you look at the team as a whole, what have been your, your thoughts on the game planning and how he's come out with uh, adjustments, if you will, at times, if, if at all. Well, I think it, it stems back to prior to Josh McDaniels coming here. You've seen those issues turn out. And what I mean by that is uh, as a New York giants fan, Heidi, I've pointed at how bad the Giants have been in the first round of drafts since about 2018. I believe only two players have re-signed the second contract with the organization since 2007. And then you look at what the Raiders have done in the last couple of first rounds. They just lose. Well, Leatherwood has been a nightmare. He he was an awful uh, selection. The Farrell pick has gotten criticized heavily. Josh Jacobs now finally. And I do feel like Heidi, I kind of turned his season around because I was on an episode of veterans minimum. And I was saying how, you know, he's kind of a mid running back. He's not that great. And then since then, he's just been like one of the best running backs in football. (laughs) So Raider nation, you are welcome for that. But I think what you're seeing is a lot of the issues. Uh, I feel as if Derek Carr is, always going to get the blame and I don't understand it. I think Derek Carr is one of the most, if not the most underrated quarterback in the league. This is the first year he has a legitimate number one wide receiver in Devontae Adams. And I think it's just through the years, some of these draft picks have not turned out. Obviously you have the Henry Ruggs incident, which is its own, own issues and whatnot. But for the most part, I think what you're seeing with the Raiders is those calls last year, Heidi, in close games that went your way, that pass interference that didn't get called or that uh, defensive pass interference that did get called to put you in the red zone. It's hard for that to be replicated year in, year out. And I can't stress that enough. I can almost eliminate half the teams in the preseason with the expectations based off that major analytic of one score games. And that's what I think the biggest issue has been with the Raiders. I like that you bring up Derek Carr um, just because some people are already projecting, like I saw this on Walter football this morning, that if you have uh, uh, you know, the opportunity for the Raiders to go in the top three, just because you know, what ends up happening with their uh, schedule and the game wins and losses, obviously, would you go quarterback? 
And I thought maybe, yeah, you do go quarterback because at this point you want to bring in somebody that even if you're not trying to replace Derek, that can learn under Derek and that can can grow as a quarterback before you throw him into fire. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I always feel as if you are in position to take a quarterback that you think can better your organization. And especially a guy like Derek Carr, who's been there since 2014 and he has been a staple with the Raiders. He's been very consistent with the Raiders and with the contract. I don't have an issue with you taking a guy like if the Raiders fall in love with CJ Stroud or Bryce Young and they're all in on this guy on that particular player. Fine. You know, Derek Carr, I wouldn't say is up there in age because quarterbacks now are playing at a high level into their 40s. I mean, it is just Brady that we're talking about, but there are quarterbacks. And, you know, usually when you're 35 years old as a quarterback, it's like, oh, this guy's falling off a cliff. You saw Rodgers the last two years. He won an MVP and he's 37, 38 years old. So to me, I think it's just what the organization thinks. And I know it sounds very generic to say, but if they feel as if this guy is the next Trevor Lawrence at the time when Trevor Lawrence was coming out right now, what Trevor Lawrence is right now, but I think those are fair conversations to have. I personally think Derek Carr is, he checks a lot of the boxes, Heidi, for a guy that if he is let go by the Raiders gets to pick a place that he could go to and then goes on a crazy run to a huge playoff run, potentially even a Super Bowl. All right. As you start to think about that kind of uh, quarterback and what he could potentially do, he does need some star players around him. Obviously, Devontae Adams, like you mentioned, is there. But Darren Waller right now, his progress has been slow. Even before uh, the injury kept him sidelined, he was kind of struggling a bit at times, uh, having some drop balls, things like that. What do you think is going on with Darren Waller and... Just if he is back for this game, what a difference that might make for Derek Carr. I mean, it makes the world a difference, right? We still haven't been able to see how this offense could look with everyone healthy and everyone firing on all cylinders. I think one of the biggest appeals to the Raiders and why people were high on them coming into the year is you look at the success that they did have last year, and then you add a legitimate weapon in Devontae Adams, and you have Waller, you have the slot guy, in Hunter Renfro, you got a reliable running back in Josh Jacobs. And everyone was fantasizing of what this offense could look like. Yeah. I I even took a couple of stabs at Derek Carr as a long shot MVP candidate. Okay. At the at the beginning of the year. Obviously, that's not looking too hot now, but those are the chances that we take, Heidi, in the sports mm, oh, yeah. world. But yeah, so Waller, I mean, Waller is probably a top. To me, in my opinion, it's Kelsey, it's him, and it's Mark Andrews as the top three. Okay. Um, Not in that particular order, but that's the kind of player that goes out there. So to say that he's not going to have an impact, I think would be ridiculous. So, yeah, I think some of the issues for the Raiders has been his lack of availability because of injuries. And so right here, I want to hear from Josh McDaniels, who spoke about Darren Waller's progress and where he could be as they look ahead here to face the Colts. I think we're in the same boat. Um, you know, I think you'll see him today and, you know, hopefully, you know, we take another step forward. Um, 
you know, it's, it's a, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical degree, um, you know, and, and it's very difficult to predict some of these things, you know, and, um, muscles and those kind of things are always a little tricky. Um, especially for a player that is, that his number one skill or one of his certain top traits obviously is his ability to run and open up and go. So, um, it's not, you know, uh, I, I don't know. There's no timetable. Some guys come back a little quicker than others. At the end of the day, the reality is, is if you come back too quickly from one of these, you usually end up out longer. And so, um, you know, we're just trying to let his body tell us when the right time is, it is. And, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But we can't, you know, we just can't do it, you know, magically snap our fingers and and make it go away. So um, we'll give it another shot this week and hopefully uh, we can turn the corner. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Debt. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day, I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Welcome back here to the Takeaways Podcast. It's Heidi Fang here, and I'm joined with Nick Dias from Veterans Minimum. You can find that also on Blue Wire, where some of you may be listening to the show right now, and we were talking about the Raiders' offense. Now I want to get into the defensive side of the ball after the Raiders released Jonathan Abram at safety. He was kind of fitting into a box safety role, but in this system with Patrick Graham, as you know from the Giants, he was playing a lot of that three-safety look. What do you make of... First, I, you know, before we get into Patrick Graham, just the release of Jonathan Abram as part of that touted 2019 draft class where they had three first round picks and he was one of them. Yeah, Heidi, I feel as if we could just circle back to just a couple of minutes ago in our conversation about it's hard for you to be a successful organization if your first round picks are supposed to be the staple of your organization moving forward when they are either out the league or are getting released like, like Abrams, uh, Abrams always, I remember from day one, when he came into the picture, uh, it was the hard knocks here. And he just was like the big hitter throwing his body around and he became sort of a household name. I think his aura outweighed his performance on the field. And He's just been a liability for the Raiders for a very, very long time. So this could be sort of addition by subtraction by not having him out there. But then it, it circles back again. And I hate sounding like a broken record. I really think it's important. Your first and second round picks are your building blocks. And you need them to sign a second contract with you. And to me, Heidi, that's how I measure how good a first round pick is going to be. Right? Do you sign a second contract with your organization? Because if you look at the history of the league, a third of the first round picks become pro bowlers and all pros. 
a third are guys that sign a second contract with the organization. And then a third of them are off the team by the end of their rookie contracts. And that's kind of the issues that you see with teams like the Raiders. Yeah, I agree. And you see a lot of that happening and you have to figure out the value, what it's worth, what it's like going into like the fifth year option with some of these guys, how that works, how it does, you know, there's a lot to think about with teams, money, all of that. Um, as you look right now to your giants, and I want to bring this up for a reason, Wink Martindale's there. Um, you had Patrick Graham. The defense was, I think, good on both ends. But how have you kind of seen differences in the two defensive coordinators with the last you know, year that you had Patrick Graham and then to this year with Wink Martindale? Uh, blitz, blitz and more blitzes now. <laughs> that's, right? that's the best. Yeah. With, I mean, with Martindale, it's it's amazing to see because especially early on in the season for the New York Giants. They didn't have Thibodeau out there at 100%. Old Jalari has been in and out of the lineup. And I've been fantasizing about them two being the staples of the defensive line moving forward uh, many, many times throughout the season. But again, your best ability is availability. doesn't matter how good you are. Like Darren Waller, as we mentioned, a top three tight end. But if you're not out there, like how valuable are you? So the Giants just... The, the Giants defense the last couple of years have been the strength of the team. And the difference between the two coaches is strictly the blitzes. Uh, now it's they're blitzing on, I believe it's a top five rate in the league. I don't have those numbers exactly in front of me, uh-huh. but I remember reading that recently, Heidi. So that would be the biggest difference between the two. But I think the the biggest issue for the Raiders has been the colossal flop that one Chandler Jones has been because Chandler Jones has not been the guy who they thought they were getting. Uh, Max Crosby has been the most valuable player for the Raiders. In my opinion, watching them, that guy just seems to play to the final whistle and just plays hard all the time, no matter the circumstances around him. So not being able to generate a pass rush in a Graham style of defense is what that's what's going to lead to some of the issues you might have with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And right now though, there's still five point favorites going into home. Um, that was the opening line on this game and you do numbers. So I wanted to get into this a little bit. Um, if Jonathan Taylor comes back, what would you do with, how do you, how would you expect the movement on that number to go? So this is a really interesting game and it's usually in the past, Heidi, when you have a midseason coaching change, teams that get the new head coach are 18 and 14 against the spread that week. Usually it comes in house. And what I mean by that, it's a coordinator is going to become the head coach or an assistant is going to become the interim head coach. Not a guy that was just on TV last week. Uh, that's where I think the issues with Jeff Saturday come in. Me personally, and I'm also mentioned this on the show recently. Uh, I mean, on my Monday episode, Frank Wright should have been fired after last year's yeah. end to the season. When you lose as a 15 point favorite against a team that is literally trying to lose on purpose for a better draft pick and they beat you, that right there was the major concern. But again, Frank Wright, they made Carson Wentz the scapegoat. And you also look at the history of Frank Wright with the Colts. He hasn't had the same quarterback 
one year to the next. So this game opened up at six and a half, and this was a traditional classic pros versus Joe's game. A lot of professional betters that I've met out here in Las Vegas. Yeah. We're on the Colts. And the reason why is because it's a public perception, right? They just fired their coach. We don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to be back. And I know that's how you set up this question. I promise I will get to that in one okay. second. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, Work through the process. <laughs> but, but you know, Ellinger looked so bad last week. He's looked terrible since he became the starter. People feel as if Matt Ryan being benched, this led to the Colts just absolutely tanking for this for the rest of the season. Now, if you do get Taylor back, obviously that changes because that's a guy who could just take over games on his own. I mean, we saw what he did to a team like Buffalo last year. We scored five touchdowns in Buffalo. So it's it's a classic scenario where you can't really trust the Raiders because they're blowing all these big leads and catching six and a half points at the open. Now it's as high as six. You mentioned it at five. I still think I would probably be on the underdog because the Raiders are this. This feels like a game where you'll look up and the Raiders are up 21 to three. And then out of nowhere, it's like developing scenes in Vegas. The Colts have cut it to 24 to 20 and they're driving. You're like, holy hell, what just happened? Yeah. And I, right, that's been the MO for the, the Raiders. What they blow? Three double digit? Three 17 this point leads this season. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's the MO for the, the Raiders to blow these leads this year. And also, if you have Taylor, I'm sure they're going to want to ball control and, and keep that offense for the Raiders off the field and just ground and pound. So I'm, I'm leaning towards it's a it's a dogger pass kind of play for me on this one. All right. So as we wrap things up here, I just want to get, you know, how the Raiders should game plan for this one. What are your keys to this game? I like the approach of, you know what, let's put 10 guys in the box and try to stop the run and have Ellinger try to beat us. And I think that's the recipe for success. And sometimes I feel like coaches maybe know that, but they stick too much to their bread and butter and, you know, their game plan. Sometimes I think it is that simple. Um, I've been harping on, my issues with the Buffalo Bills, another AFC team, Heidi, all season that, man, for as great as, as they've been and as dominant as they've been, they are one Josh Allen injury away from their season derailing. And now there's issues with his elbow. He might have to have Tommy John surgery. So, like, I know that's that's a, another super generic take. Like, duh, Nick, if your quarterback goes down, you're going to have issues. But I think a team like Buffalo, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, where they're so reliant on their quarterback with the running and their RPOs and the passing game, obviously it's such a big issue for those kind of teams. And then when you're looking at the Colts to bring it back full circle, Mm -hmm. their quarterback, it's, it's been a nightmare since he's taken over. So to me, it's just, if, if Taylor's in the game, it's an easier, it's an even easier game plan for them. Just focus on number 28. Don't let him run wild all over us. And let's have this young buck try to beat us. Which has been an issue, has been an issue. So we'll see how that goes. And if the the keys of the game lead to any success for this two and six Raiders team as they return home this Sunday against the Indianapolis Coles. Nick, thank you so much again for coming on. Let everybody know where they can find you and what you may have coming up with your upcoming shows. 
Heidi, always a pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out to me for these, like I mentioned before. Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me on all social media outlets. The name of my show is Veterans Minimum. It's a sports and sports betting show. I do have a lot of funky and cool guests coming on. Uh, this week, I'll be having Coach Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture oh, coming yeah. on the show. Yeah, to talk some UFC, big, big pay-per-view this weekend. Heidi, I'm pissed. I can't go to New York, my hometown. Um, they got the pay-per-view. My favorite fighter, Adesanya, is fighting on Saturday. Why can't you get back? Uh, just because like, I'm going back home for Thanksgiving. Oh, so right. the you. timing of it, it kind of yeah. defeats the purposes. I was hoping, Heidi, a little side note, my buddy Jared, Jared Gordon in the UFC, he's yeah, okay. fighting. He's Flash. fighting in December in Vegas. We were hoping he could get on the New York card. So I remember telling my buddies like, hey, if he ends up on the New York card, I'll come back for that. It didn't oh, you happen. Know what, Nick? But... Oh, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Finish the sentence. Oh, no, so no, it's cool. Uh, I'll, I'll just go and watch Jared fight in, in December next month. But yeah, it's veterans minimum. Uh, I cover UFC. I cover NBA. I cover sports with like my own perspective. It's a little bit more laid back and fun. I tell people don't take me too serious because I only have a high school education. So I'm very comfortable with, uh, <laughs> with making fun of myself and just having fun, you know? So my show is more of a vibe than anything else. And and I'm waiting for the day that I can have you pull up and I we can have a know. show as well, Heidi. I really want to do it. And I mean that sincerely. And I just haven't had the right, because it's a Monday, most time I'm traveling or coming back or working a press conference. So it's always something, but we'll work it out maybe after the season. And hopefully, you know, there'll be some time. Um, but we were talking there about UFC. So who do you got this weekend? I got to know now. Uh, I, I think uh, Adesanya does whatever he wants with him. I, oh, yeah? Yeah, I think Adesanya is taking this fight very, very seriously. Okay. Uh, everyone is talking about the knockout and we know that. Right. But I think also it's mixed martial arts. And I know every fight starts standing up. I think Adesanya just... He's become boring to some people, and that's only because he doesn't put himself in harm's way because he's just racking up wins. It happened to John Jones in the past. It happened to a lot of fighters that became so dominant. GSP at the tail end was not really finishing people, just kind of getting ahead on points and then beating people that way. His teammate Volkanovski gets a lot of heat for that as well. But to me, I think I think the line on Adesanya is very comical. I think he should be a bigger favorite, but everyone has seen the knockouts. Everyone knows that he's beaten him twice. And under no other circumstances, Pereira get a title shot if it wasn't for that built-in pass between the two of them. All right. I, I like that. And my only thought on Pereira was that he hasn't really been in a five-round fight in the UFC yet. So if it mm. goes past like the third round, all that knockout power, all that stuff, you know, he could just get gassed and who who knows? That's where Adesanya could take over. But I was actually leaning on Pradesha to, to do some damage if he can really hit him. That's the hard thing is how do you hit a guy that lives in the Matrix? That's another thing is, is Israel Adesanya lives in the Matrix. Anyway, we could go on and on about MMA because <laughs> I could totally do that and just talk to you about MMA for a, a long, good while. But got to wrap things up here on the Vegas Nation podcast where you can find all of your latest Raiders coverage, VegasNation.com. Nick, thank you again so much for coming on the show and I will be back next week.
Vegas. Get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today 